Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome back to another episode of the Comedy Bureau Approval for the Comedy Bureau Approval for at least a member of the Believe podcast family that's spelled B-L-E-A-V, and that's why I'm your favorite podcast platform it reads Believe in the Comedy Bureau Field Report. Um... You know, I also, I've been saying for weeks that I was going to check if that actually says it on your favorite podcast platform, you know, and I I guess I would have done it yesterday, but (laughs) big crash on my bike. I'm fine. Oh, no. My bike is fine. Yeah. Yeah. It's okay. Um, Thank goodness I wear a motorcycle helmet because that definitely did protect my noggin. Uh, yeah, you know, my wrist is a little, was a little bloody and that's fine now, but yeah, that happened. So I didn't check it. Okay. So maybe next time, but until then, let's get to this week's amazing guest, a, uh, true pioneer in the LA comedy scene. Uh, yeah, really blazing a, a trail and really taking big swings. The thing that I love. (laughs) <laughs> uh, please give it up for Blake Rossier, everybody. How's it going, Blake? Good. Thank you for uh, saying I'm a pioneer. That means a lot coming from you. Yeah, you're very welcome. I mean, you know, uh, for those who don't know, I mean, Blank, Blake, a lot of what Blake does feels like he's going for some sort of world record that doesn't exist. <laughs> Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I do like, like that style. Yeah, he's lived on stage for five days, like, what, four times now? Three? Yeah, four times. Yeah, and each well, each iteration of that was a different, had a different objective. Yeah? Yeah. So, like, the first one, I was in, like, a little box mm-hmm. the whole time. Uh-huh. And then the second one, I was in just on the a stage performing right the, whole time. the third one was going on dates the whole time right and then the fourth one was i was chained mm-hmm. to the stage wow i i don't think david blaine could do most of that <laughs> oh man the stuff i was definitely inspired by david blaine the stuff yeah. he's done crazy i i don't understand physically how he does that he obviously has a team which makes right. things easier Right. But, uh, yeah, and money. Yeah, true. <laughs> yeah, and he's just like famous. I do you know Danny Jealous, Blake? No. Danny's a very very funny stand up. He has a whole bit about um like uh David Blaine holding his breath underwater for like an unbelievable amount of time. Yeah. And basically, what he did was he just did it. There wasn't any magic trick. He just like trained himself, drowned himself a couple times like failed on air once and had to be rushed to the hospital yeah i yeah. remember that yeah <laughs> just it's actually like just a pure feat of endurance yeah like his stuff i mean obviously his magic tricks have you know gimmick or not gimmicks but like uh slide of hand. hand and stuff but like when he does that's the the performance art or like the endurance pieces those are real like that's mm-hmm. real stuff yeah like so pretty blown away like he got shot by a bullet like stuff like 
crazy stuff, dude. Yeah, stuff that no one asks him to do. <laughs> yeah. For some reason, that appeals to me as well. My friend the other day was like, after this Craigslist show, he's like, there seems to be a theme that you like to traumatize yourself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, with that yeah. in mind, I was wondering, like, do you, is there like a way that you would either describe your comedy or a label you would give yourself? Because I feel like comedian isn't, it's too broad for you. Um, Unless you don't yeah. go away. Yeah, no, I... I mean, I kind of do a bunch of different stuff. So, like, sometimes I'd consider what I'm doing is, like, is, like, clown. But then sometimes I consider what I'm doing, like, when it's more the Craigslist thing or the or the five days, more like, uh, just kind of, like, acting. I'd say it's, like, I mean, it's comedic, but, like, just awkward, uncomfortable, like, strange act i don't really know how i would explain it i guess right best way yeah i mean it seemed well you know tell me if i'm off base but i feel like there's sort of a similarity and structure to maybe like curb your enthusiasm where you have some beats and ideas planned out but you largely just want to kind of weave through a lot of that with yeah completely improvised that's that's how I feel most comfortable. I mean, you know, I grew up doing theater and I, you know, do acting full time. So, like, I work with scripts all the time. But my favorite way to produce my own work is like, OK, I want this, this and this to happen. And I don't know how it's going to happen, but we'll try and get there. Right. So, yeah, the, the loose loose script beat structure is my favorite for sure. But I think you just have a level of dedication that is, uh, it's rare. I think the first thing you ever sent to me, Blake, was like, you just went out in public in several locations, just cried. This? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Of course. <laughs> yeah. So like, I, I, we, I asked this a little bit, like, so what is the genesis of that idea? And like, how does that factor into like, how you just come up with stuff? Yeah, so... I think like I get inspired by people I meet and like people I see on YouTube, mm -hmm. um, especially like uh, I, I think like I get inspired by just like real life people and then I create characters based off them. Mm -hmm. And then the ideas I come up with are just like the next step in that character's I like life. So right. like with the crown video, that was like my one of my characters damien is this like bro character who's heartbroken about his ex who dumped him seven years ago and he still can't get over it so i was like <laughs> well he would go out and ask for help mm -hmm. and then when he gets it he'd start crying because he's so thankful that someone gave him the time of day so it's just kind of like a right. you know another step of like how can i put this guy in a real world situation and and i like I like kind of towing the line of using, you know, other improvisers and actors, but then also working with real people. And that's always been interesting to me, that prank aspect. Mm -hmm. And I use that word loosely because I wouldn't consider a lot of what I'm doing pranks, but I, right. you know, I like that, that feeling of working with someone who doesn't fully get it or they might fully get it, but 
they're not being told the whole truth about it, but in a fun way that right. doesn't hurt them. Yeah. Yeah. How do you, I feel like there's a lot of gray areas with that. How do you navigate sort of like their awareness of it, the amount of control that you have versus they have maybe feeling exploitative at all? Yeah, I don't, I don't have a lot of trouble like feeling like I'm exploiting them because I always play anytime I do that sort of prank style, I'm always like the lowest status character and I make them the hero. I make them feel amazing mm -hmm. and I let them take the reins. And so really what it is, if it's anyone feeling bad, it's me. Right. And I think that's why my friend brought up that pattern. Cause I like to, you know, if I'm going to use, I'm, I'm very, um, I really respect when people want to be a part of my bits and, and work. And so like when they do and they agree to it, even if I'm paying them, I'm like very, I try and be as respectful as po possible, even if I'm in some sort of rudish character. Right. Um, Cause I, yeah. you know, it's nice of them to do so. So for those, uh, folks that weren't at the yard theater over the last week and caught your craigslist show uh break it break it down as to what happened and like i mean yeah how much how much was he in on it like what was the process yeah so it was called i cast them off craigslist and the the um isaac who helps run the yard he hit me up to answer your question from before he hit me up like six days before that date and he's like hey we have an opening at the yard do you want it and i'm like well i can't bring a lot of people because it's so short notice and i'm producing a show the week after so i've been pushing that one and he's like he's like i don't care i just want to show it's better to have a show than no show so i'm like okay and i looked at my idea list and one thing i've always wanted to do is hire people off craigslist and do auditions with them sure like fake auditions, but like yeah, yeah. still pay them for the audition and make a right. video out of it. Right. And I was like, oh, what if I did a live show with someone from Craigslist who's not a performer? And I was like, that sounds fun. Mm -hmm. So an hour, hour later, I sent him a flyer and I was like, here's the show. Like I basically just kind of, I kind of was like, what's the most fun thing that sounds the most inspiring for me to make right now? And I was like, I want to do this thing. So I sent it to him and, um, then I started immediately seeking out, you know, someone off Craigslist. And so the 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 show was basically finding a non-performer mm -hmm. from Craigslist to perform with me right. or to create a show starting at 3 p.m. and then put it up at 7.30 that same night. And also it's a documentary series, so we're filming the whole entire thing. I, so that was like that... the whole show. Again, that feels like some world record that doesn't exist. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the I think that's just intrigue. Like, for some reason, that kind of thing is intriguing to me. Doing something that, like, is just kind of like taking performance and adding another weird element to it. Right. Like, I like to, I like doing shows. I like doing stand-up shows, clown shows, like, right. sketch comedy. But, like... There's something so cool about just throwing in an extra wrench that people are, it's gimmicky, but it's like something that brings people like people nowadays want like a little thing to get them there, a little title or thumbnail, as yeah, you'd say in the real there, world. 
sure it's gimmicky but i mean what's interesting is there's a lot of different layers that you play with and there are things that you didn't tell this guy that you cast off of craigslist and but there's like you know i understand why you use the word prank loosely because there's like genuine like pathos in the show which is yeah. like something you like which is yeah. interesting yeah because because i'm like i would say like the character i was playing was pretty close to myself just mm -hmm. much i'd say much more quiet and um uh low self-esteem right and um and i played that for seven hours with him Mm -hmm. and and around during the show and then once until he left because i wanted that to be mm -hmm. um i wanted it to be real for him this has happened to me before when i do my characters and bits like for example i did damien once mm -hmm. six five years ago in westwood at the improv space the old rest in peace improv space yeah. and i hosted a show as this bro character and this dude came up to me after and he's like, starts giving me advice on my breakup. And I'm thinking he's doing a bit with me. And so I'm going along with it. Right. And then like five minutes in, I'm realizing he is giving me legit advice, not realizing that I'm kidding. Yeah. And at that point, I just made the decision that I am not breaking character. And this guy is just so sweet. I'm just going to take the advice. Right. And then I saw him like a month later walking around Westwood and he's like, Damien. And I was like, didn't react, react. And he's like, Damien. And I look over and I see him and I meet him like, oh, what the fuck's up, bro? Good to see you. <laughs> like just immediately popped into it. I'm like forever and ever that guy, if I ever see him, he will right. be, I'll be real for him. Right. It's, that, it's real. That, re that reminds me of like, apparently before Idris Elba became very famous like i think in like around the second or third season of the wire like real gang members would like come up to him and they're like hey man thanks for like playing us like so truthfully like and just repping the streets so hard and like he just did not have the heart to reveal his posh accent that's <laughs> so funny yeah <laughs> Dude. Well, yeah, I, I didn't know he was British until, yeah. you know, those commercials. Yeah. I'm like, what? <laughs> I had no idea. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, that's how good he is. Yeah, he's amazing. Yeah. But yeah, I get that. Like, it's these people like feel like that's how this guy Dexter was in right. for the Craigslist shows. Like, right. we had built such a rapport, even though mm -hmm. he was you know, to be honest, during the day, pretty, pretty, like, rude to me. <laughs> yeah? But, like, how so? How so? How was he rude? Well, I mean, he was cordial, but, sure. like, the, like, it, it was interesting because I, the way I set it up, being that low status character, right? like, it was very easy for him to feel like he could big league me. Even right. though I'm the one paying him, directing and producing this thing, like right. he, I'm putting these people in a position where they feel like, oh, I gotta like, I gotta show how funny I am. Right. I gotta be a performer. I haven't right. done this in a while. I gotta perform well. Right. And so, even though I'm telling them the whole time this is an experimental artistic docu series, like this is the whole thing. I want it to be very real. It's art. It doesn't need to be funny. It doesn't need to be serious. It can be whatever you want. You're writing this. You're creating this show. 
Right. Like, I, I didn't want him to, I, at all times I'm telling him, like, he tried to be funny, like, in the rehearsal. I'm like, don't try and be funny. Let's just, like, have this be serious. Like, mm-hmm. there's that, like, feeling inside, though, when you give people the reins to something that they don't usually get where they want to, like, overcompensate. Oh, yeah. And so he, you know, bless his heart, definitely did that from time to time to the point in detriment that I felt like he was putting me down. Like, for example, Uh the documentary, I've already done the first cut of the documentary, seven hours to an hour and a half, but I'm going to keep cutting it. But uh, like, this is the biggest, this is the biggest uh, example of his true colors coming out. Like, we're sitting there. And he's talking about all the bits he wants to do, pitching the Uber ride from hell, the the bartender, angel and devil bar scene, like all these, right. you know, these random sketches. Right. And then I say, well, I'm not a performer. I haven't performed since high school, but I want to perform this, this song from a musical. And he's like, nah, stupid. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, well, I'm going to, you know, pull the director card and say, I'd like to, you know, do this, at least sing it for you guys now. And as I'm singing it, he is going, boo, this shit sucks. This is dumb. (laughs) No, hell no. We don't, we can't do this. This is silly. Uh And it was me and Drew and Isabel who were in the room, like playing the producers. We, we were like shocked. Like, wow, you are, so like confident already mm-hmm. that you're booing the the person that's paying you the person that the one person you've been connecting with and right. you're telling them their idea sucks that's wild it was very very crazy and he was saying like that's terrible you sound terrible mm-hmm. like yeah it was it was very shocking and i was like right. wow yeah he, yeah so but you he when you put it up at the show you got to do the song and he was much more he seemed much more respectful and then like also i i think you're you you were giving direction to the show and it felt like you guys had a much more or a much less contentious relationship yes well things also changed once he saw that the i was shocked too there was like 30 some odd people in the in the crowd i wasn't expecting that many people because it was so last minute Mm -hmm. but um and that's partly thanks to probably you posting it in the comedy bureau so thank you (laughs) um uh so when he saw the audience and he saw that he said to me in the back he said people paid i gotta be funny (laughs) and i'm like and i'm like and i said i was like no like don't feel the need to push it. Like do what we planned. Like don't try and cause he did this whole thing called a Dex talk, like a Ted talk mm-hmm. where I wanted him to just go off about, cause we talked about like war and famine and politics for about an hour and racism during the day, just right. unwarranted. We started going off about it and he was getting super passionate and I'm like, let's do this. Let's talk about it. Mm-hmm. Not funny. Like let's have you do a, a Dex talk. Right. And he, um, then it turned into a, st- a weird stand-up set when he did it for real. Yeah. And so it's like he had he had the feeling that he had to, you know, be funny the whole time, which I get, and that's like a 
an easy trap to fall into when you're early on, but right. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, what was his, what, what was his experience? I mean, cause you were looking for a non-performer, but he's like performed before. Yeah. It was dude, Jake, it was so hard to find someone off Craigslist. Cause like Craigslist, you, everyone gets it. Craigslist is kind of like no man's land. It's like, right. it's very like lawless. Yeah. And the people you get on there are just like a kind of a new breed. And so most of the responses I was getting, like no one would follow any directions. I was asking for like people to send me self tapes of like their favorite line from a movie and like their favorite dance move or something. Right. And then I'd get like just a response, like check out my TikTok, everything's there. Or like, or they'd send me a video of them like doing a monologue or like something different. And I'm just like, the, the responses I was getting were really weird, even to the point that like there were there was this one guy who sent me 25 emails in a row of like his birth certificate, um, pictures of him from a Playboy spread uh -huh. or I mean, Playgirl spread, in the <laughs> 80s, a performance of him like performing at the Tropicana in the 90s, like just the most random stuff, like pictures of cal calendars with like dates circled. I'm just like, oh, this is. I can't use these people. These people are, you know. Is that the guy you said uh, on stage, like, fuck you to the camera? No. <laughs> different guy who was just, like, really rude. Oh, like, no. just kept big leaguing me. And I'm like, dude, this is Craigslist for $100. Like, this isn't, let's let's be honest what this is. We're performing <laughs> for, like, it's a, I'm shooting this documentary on iPhones and one Black Magic. Like, we're not doing anything crazy here. Right. Um, yeah, so it was it was difficult to find someone who truly had never performed that was willing to do that, that mm -hmm. also seemed like they were um, in their right mind and I wasn't like mm -hmm. going below the belt. Like, right. you know, I wanted someone who understood what they were doing right. and I didn't want someone who would feel um, like they were used or exploited and I didn't want to feel like I was doing that. I wanted it to be someone who had charisma, but just hadn't been able to use it in a while. Right. right. And that's how Dexter fit into it. Even though he had done stand up in the past, it's right. yeah. It seemed like his more recent thing as was, you know, he was goaded on by the audience uh, just doing improvised Shakespeare. That was, that was probably his best talent. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Like, that was out of nowhere. Like I was talking to him over FaceTime because we did, I found that was really helpful to FaceTime these people because they were very different mm -hmm. through video chat than they were through email. Right. And I was talking to him and I was like, he's like, well, what's this show, man? Like, what are we doing? I don't get it. You're being so vague. I'm like, well, I want it to be vague because, because I want, you know, us to not know each other that well for the show, which was what I was saying. Like I wanted it right. to be like an experiment. Right. Which in reality, I just didn't want to tell him that I'm a comedian and that I'm an actor and that I'm, you know, making a thing. But he, uh, then he finally was like, well, what is this? And I'm like, well, it's, um, it can be anything. It doesn't have to be funny. It could be, we could do Shakespeare. We could do both. Oh, he's like, oh, you mean like this? And he's laying on his couch talking to me, like laying down like this. Uh -huh. And he starts spouting off like this, like improvised Shakespeare. And I'm like, we have to do this. This is hilarious. Right, it was right, so right. amazing and heartwarming. And I'm like, so yeah, someone in the audience, we did a Q and A at the end of the show, as you know, and right. they were 
they asked, can we see some of the improvised Shakespeare? So we did a little bit of that. That was really mm -hmm. fun. Uh, how do you feel the show went? Um, I definitely had fun. Yeah. I, because I'm, I'm always seeming to do this, like when I'm doing the five days shows or whatever shows I'm producing, I'm always doing two things at once. This show was the show, but it was more to me. I was doing the show for the documentary. Right. So like that was a lot in my head. So if I had to redo it, I would hire like two filmers who are just filming Right. And I don't have to worry about anything like a sound guy. And just if I had a little bit of a budget, I would just do that. So I don't have to think about, you know, audio. I don't have to think about, you know, right. all that stuff right. because that bogged me down. I want to just focus on being this character, being present for this person. Sure. Um, but I think overall the show was fun. And I'd say most of the people in the audience got what was going on and enjoyed it for what it was. Oh, yeah. I would um, say so. Yeah, so I thought it was a success. And also, I've been to the yard. I've performed at the yard, a, you know, a dozen or so times. And that's the most packed I've ever seen it. And I was, like, really amazed. Like, this is awesome. The show, definitely there's a there's a there's something to this show that people like. And so I'm like, whether I do a documentary each time or I just do the show, it's something I want to do again. Right. Well, I think fun. it speaks, speaks to when you're, when you're saying people want a gimmick, people, I feel like there is a demand, a desire for to, to see a, a glimpse of something real. And of course that word can be thrown around very loosely. And I, I mean, I think it's interesting how you play with the word real or what is real, what is truth with what you're doing. Um, but like, and you know, is there a specific question as to what that is? And is there an answer? I, I don't know, but I mean like, cause I feel like there's so many layers to the show because like I, I definitely came to see like, all right, wh when are you sort of going to break the fourth wall and how's that going to come in? Be and I, other than that, I didn't know what to expect. Yeah. I can't imagine that you set expectations for the show because you just, this is completely experimental. Yeah. I mean, we met at 3 PM and basically we filmed us, Mm -hmm. you know meeting again on camera and then we talked about i said well what kind of bits do you want to do let's do a writer's room we did that and he pitched his bits i pitched my one bit and we rehearsed and then we did a tech run and then we did the show and we had lunch and all that and so like there wasn't i didn't have high expectations i honestly wanted the show to be a train wreck that's and in a lot what, of i think that's what people came to see yeah. And in a lot of ways, I mean, I think it was a train wreck in the perfect way. And I think what also came out of it, which is what something, something that seems to come out of when I, when I produce shows, what I've noticed is there's a cool, like kind of little glimmer of a message that I learn each time that I think that some of the audience takes is like with the five day shows, it's the generosity of the audience and the power of just like community and how cool this, like, we can make something. And then I think that the message of this was like how beautiful it is that two people from different walks of life can come together and create something mm -hmm. in a matter of hours. And so I think like that was kind of cool and heartwarming. And even though, you know, I'm connecting with him partly in character, you know, in character, it doesn't mean that that experience we had wasn't real and right. beautiful in a way. So 
think there's a lot more to the show and which was really cool and and i wasn't expecting that right yeah i that's you know one has to wonder with like it you know it kind of like bridging comedy and performance art like yeah what are like is are you trying to say something what are you trying to say what is like the comedic value of this i mean that's what i think of like on an objective level it's a, look i had fun and i think it was uh the sort of train wreck that you were speaking to that was like fun and then there was ways there was a train wreck in ways i didn't expect like it seemed like there was a rogue camera guy yeah yeah and i couldn't well with with you it's like is this guy a plant is he been instructed to be like a dick or i don't know yeah but that's like the fun of it i guess it seems like he wasn't he was being like uh just uh annoying um well i mean i kind of don't want to give anything away but I, I will, <laughs> but i will say i will say to you since i've known you for years like Drew was part of the project and is one of my improviser friends. And right. I, you know, I, one thing I, I direct like the people that are in on it and help me with, like are helping with it. I tell them at any point, make the show about, make the experience about you create a plot point, do anything you want to do. And I'm going to react accordingly and just know that we're all playing characters. Right. And so when he decided to, give a suggestion during the improvised Shakespeare, I had to tell him off because, you know, this is Dexter's moment and he should sh shut up. And so yeah. me yeah. screaming at me screaming at him was, uh, yeah, it was, it was part of the whole lore of this world we had created, but right. yeah. Your, your own cinematic universe, Blake. Yeah. <laughs> the, yeah, you're yeah. going to have the VCU. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Have that be your next marathon show is like just the Blake Cinematic Universe yeah, yeah. in like 10 days or whatever. It is. Yeah. <laughs> just creating this weird fake thing. It's like when you're doing bits with your friends for like an hour and you realize, oh, we haven't really talked about anything real for a whole hour. It's like, that's kind of what it was. It's like for seven hours, we hadn't really done anything real. Although we kind of did, you know, we obviously yeah. had a message and made a show, but. Right. Yeah. What is that experience? I don't think, you know, people, if you ever hang out with me, people like reflecting that I, I'm, I'm a real one. Like I only talk about the real stuff. Yeah. 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 I, I don't, I mean, it's part of why I don't do improv. I like, I like cutting people off from bits because <laughs> yeah. that entertains me. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I think you have like a, a point of view that's, that's interesting where like, I feel like whenever I'm talking with you after a show, it's like, we're talking about other shows, work yeah. stuff. What are you up to? What is your next project? Yeah. And I think it's good to have people in your life like that because it, you know, it gets old when you're just always screwing around with someone and not talking about real stuff. Like I'm definitely constantly inspired by those around me to create more and more. I love making a lot of stuff. So right. having people around me that are realists, I mm. love that. And I yeah. think like there's, there's a, a majority of me in my real day-to-day -day life. I'm like that, you right. know? Right. Uh, I think you have to be to like pull a lot of this off. I mean, I think that's for as experimental and like, you know, kind of uncharted territory as you 
delve into i there's so much planning that has to go into it yeah i like i like to have enough planning that i feel like it's not going to crash and burn to the point that we can't do it yeah but i like to keep it loose enough that if you know something random happens that we can add it to the story and have it be a part of it yeah absolutely i think a lot of the most beautiful moments kind of happen at those times yeah yeah i mean like that's part of the magic of why people love watching those fucking comedian destroys heckler videos (laughs) yeah all of that's unplanned you know yeah it's the most real moment you're seeing a stand-up comedian really use their chops in the moment yeah and make some you know destroy a heckler or get destroyed by a heckler yeah yeah, yeah, but it's all like one thousand percent genuine and real. None of this is like been scripted, and it's a very. I feel like a lot of people couldn't necessarily even like write about it in length. But there's just a very clear difference when they're when they're like changing gears to like, okay, I'm not doing material anymore. I'm like focusing on you. Yeah, it yeah. feels different. You feel yeah. a, a shift. Yeah. Um, who inspires you these days? Um, I think always my three go-to actors and, you know, comedians are Steve Carell, Fred Armisen, and Tim Heidecker. Those are my, like, all-time favorite people. Mm -hmm. Um, I love Kate Berlant. I think she's brilliant. She's the first show I saw when I came to L.A., nine and a half years ago was her and and i think she's amazing and um and obviously you know nathan fielder has been a favorite of mine for ever since nathan for you ever since before that when he was doing his youtube stuff right um and and my friends, I have a really great community of people. We all do YouTube and mm-hmm. and then I have a whole community of people that do live stuff only. So I'm kind of trying to meld these two groups I have together. Right. And I think I, you're doing a good job of it. I mean, that that was the when I stopped by your five day shows, there were so many people in the audience or who were coming on stage. Like I had no idea who any of these people were. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of talented people. Yeah. And they're just like people that either make a living off YouTube and just either gave up the live stuff or they just never did it. And they're so funny. And I'm trying to get them get on stage, dude, your stuff's hilarious. Like put that up on stage. People will love it. It'll crush. You'll gain all this cool confidence for live stuff. And then same with like, I have friends in the clown community that I'm like, dude, like put your stuff online, like just film your bits, film like, once you're in costume, film a 30 second dumb video for TikTok. Like yeah. the power of the internet is insane. So I really try and do my best to get those types of people using the opposite uh, medium because it's it's so powerful. Thanks for being here, man. This is already, of course. yeah, already pretty great. Yeah. Thank you for asking me to do this. I'm always happy to 
talk about uh, what I love doing and right. I, you know, I appreciate what you do a lot. And mm-hmm. um, I think it's because of you posting about a, an improv jam like nine years ago that I'm, I was able to find a community when I first moved down here. So right. that is super helpful. And I think that's the hardest part about LA in my opinion is like finding people that are like-minded. And so being able to find that was super helpful. So yeah. I appreciate you. Absolutely, man. Uh, do you want to talk some comedy news? Let's do it. Yeah. All right. Great. Um, so first off, kind of referencing stuff that we brought up a little bit earlier, the rehearsal, uh, Nathan Fielder's like, I guess thus far in his career, magnum opus, uh, is renewed for season two and by HBO also the HBO renewed Curb Your Enthusiasm for season 12. Um, it's interesting. I mean, technically both are kind of improvised. Well, one's definitely improvised and the other one yeah. feels a little more in line with you. But yeah, they, uh, they're they both improvised in certain ways and yet they feel so different. Yeah, it's interesting. I They're both amazing shows and I'm happy that people see that and it's getting more viewership yeah but they uh, are yeah, interesting um because of what how you do things what do, what is your take on the rehearsal and i asked this knowing that like there are friends of yours that probably like bring up the rehearsal to you in comparison to your own work yeah i um yeah it's so interesting to see Nathan making a like a like a plot driven uh, show because right. I'm such a fan of um, Nathan for you and like mm-hmm. the one off feel of him is so great and right. almost a plot a plot begins to happen just based off who he is right um, so it makes sense that he you know did that for this piece mm-hmm. um, I had such a visceral reaction to that woman oh yeah. Uh, I, yeah, I grew up in, in, uh, going to a Catholic church and then going to a Christian church after that. And so, and ended up leaving the church because of personal stuff. And like, I've just met so many people like her and it was such a, I just had such a ick in my bones. Right. And so that was, it kind of made it hard to watch in those episodes in the best way, you know, she was, um, yeah so i'm i'm excited to see where where he continues it um i would love to just see more that first episode was just so good i just want to see more of that um but that's probably me wanting to grip onto the nathan for you days (laughs) yeah i mean i found it interesting that i mean you say plot driven i feel like it's plot driven kind of but more so the way that it was done kind of got, revealed a bit more of Nathan than yeah. Like, and that, you know, his sort of like, I think of it as, you know, he, he wants to have his cake and eat it too, with sort of like playing dumb kind of, but being totally in control. Yeah. And then, you know, there are real consequences if you keep, keep trying to do too much of that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which I think was like fascinating, 
you know? Yeah, it was interesting to see his character development. I think we're really like it, seeing him just like that moment when he showed back up at the house and decided he wanted to switch the kid out for the right. young kid. Yeah. Um, I feel like that was a really big pivotal moment in, uh-huh. in getting to know his character and figuring out like right. where he wants to take this. And that change was very funny and interesting. And yeah, there's not really anything I'd change about the show. I thought the show was really well done. Right. Um, yeah. A friend of mine said kind of so, like they going into it, especially after the first episode, they thought the show was a certain show. And then it became a much different show. And then yeah. in the finale, it became an extremely different show. Yeah. Um, I, I think that's how it was for me. That's how it was for me, too. That's why yeah. I was feeling. Yeah. And I think he almost did that as a way to ease people in. Right. Yeah. But I feel like that's what, if there's to, anything to expect from Nathan, it's to expect the unexpected, truly. Totally. You never know what that guy's going to do. Yeah. And yeah. that's, I mean, like, you know, perhaps not to spoil too much, but like, yeah, the ending is a, a certain way that is much different than how like Nathan for you ended. But I like that. I, I pitch, I think that actually this should be in the show, period. But um, he should have done a rehearsal to answering the, uh, the Jewish instructor's question about Israel-Palestine. Oh, my God. I Gosh. thought that would have been really funny. Yeah, that would have been funny. <laughs> oh, goodness. Damn. Yeah, so season two, we'll see what uh, Nathan does this time, especially like, I feel like people like him and Sasha Baron Cohen, they they only get like a window of time because the element of surprise is so important. Yeah of like to do their thing and then they got to like go to sleep for like 10 years or something or something else. I was working at Old Navy, I'd say like, I don't even remember when it was, but it was like right when Nathan For You season one came out Mm -hmm. and he like walked up with a stack of shirts and I like at the checkout line and I'm like checking out his stuff and I'm like, hey, I just want to let you know, like I love Nathan For You. I love your YouTube stuff. I love what you do. And he's like, oh, thanks. Yeah, thanks. And uh, just pretty much kind of just how he is on TV is kind of quiet and respectful. Right. Well, I mean, I guess he's not really respectful. He's kind of, he's kind of mean, <laughs> but you know, <laughs> he has that disposition where you're like, oh, he is not a threat, but even though he's masterminding this entire thing. Yeah. But um, yeah, when I met him, I was like, oh, wow. He's like, he's, um, he's very sweet. And then he's like, the way he reacted to me recognizing him was like he gets recognized once per six months. He's like, oh, wow. Oh, thank you for watching the show. Like, wow. Oh, my gosh. It was early on enough, too, that I think right. it wasn't happening. But now I'm sure it's, you know, yeah. constant. Right. Right. And so, yeah. Yeah. That's where it's sort of incredulous where for all the people that are involved in the rehearsal, which I think is probably exponentially more than Nathan for you. Oh, I'm sure it's huge. Yeah. Cause he has this like faux theater company and like they're building sets as opposed to just like going to a local business. Yeah. I think they must've had like a second team 
doing the whole LA unit while he was doing the, the organ stuff. Like, yeah. like that there's so and plus like, I'm sure there was another team building these sets as right. they decided they wanted to build them. Like there's so right. much. Right. What do you think he'll do with season two? Like, I personally, what I would love to see is a totally new thing totally new people totally new like kind of type of idea like the same the rehearsal idea is fun and i want to see that more but i hope it's kind of like not a continuation of this story yeah i yeah i kind of i feel like he's so talented that Mm -hmm. it's almost uh in detriment if he is continuing on the same thing like he i feel like he has so many great ideas he should just make a new thing so it never gets stale right but that's that's me wanting to see more of him because i know he's so you know amazing um but yeah what do you want what are you thinking i think what would be interesting is if it definitely a different story i don't know i mean i kind of also want you know kind of self-contained episodes where it's like different rehearsals each time yeah but I think what would also be intriguing because like he just loves throwing in complications and seeing what the real life consequences are and following through on that. It's like somebody asking for something that like they're rehearsing for a situation where what they perhaps want to do is in a gray area legally. Yeah. So like, uh, yeah. like Nathan will do everything he can to like tap dance around that. Yeah. Yeah. That was some of my favorite moments, Nathan, for you was when he would bring the lawyers in to make sure what he was doing was was okay. And then when he realized it wasn't how he could make it okay. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean like dumb Starbucks is like iconic. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Insane. <laughs> so yeah, I would like to see more of that, you know? Yeah. Um also, I will. I mean, they they kind of touched on it because you know there was like his whole Jewish identity, but yeah, more maybe a, a, a reference to Summit Ice, just like some plug for Summit Ice jackets. Yeah, I would love to see more Summit Ice in the world. <laughs> Hilarious. Yeah. Uh, so there's no uh, dates as to when either show uh, next season will uh, start production or premiere, but. The renewals were announced for today. Um, next news item, I guess we'll go in order for right now. Rapper Fat Joe is doing stand-up uh, and is going to have a special produced by everyone's favorite anti-cancel culture comedian, Dave Chappelle. Um, okay. Yeah. And, uh, you know... It's it says it's gonna focus on his, the rapper's life, so maybe it's more akin to a solo show. This seems like it there's an uptick where it might be becoming a trend because uh, earlier this year, Ti the rapper Ti started to get into stand up. Really? Yeah, and he's not good. Uh, oh no! Yeah, surprise, surprise. You know? Oh no! Yeah, yeah. Well, it's it's hard. It's like. You know, I feel like the word relatability gets so thrown around that it's misunderstood in its purpose in comedy. But 
He's definitely not relatable. Yeah, I mean, I don't... Yeah. I yeah. remember... The only thing I really remember about him is when he tried to change... He tried to change his name, or he did change his name to Q-Tip? Or oh. he wanted to go by Tip but, instead of T.I.? Oh, oh, yeah. It can't be Q-Tip, because that's, like, a actual rapper from, like, Tribe Called Quest. Oh, never mind. I don't yeah. know shit about it. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I, that's the the weird thing is, I feel like a lot of, you know, if you want to call it humor, that finds itself in rap, whether it's in, like, those weird sketches they have on albums, or, like, yeah, yeah. Sort, sort of just, like, the bars they spit, the, it comes from so much hubris that is playful with, like, a beat. But when you take away all the production value of that, and then you put it on a stage, it just feels braggadocio in a way that i don't like yeah 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 true i mean unless they're really great actors and they can make it obviously funny that they're bragging and then that's funny yeah but yeah i don't really want to hear jokes about millions of dollars uh what, money drugs and bitches <laughs> yeah i don't, I don't yeah. know i won't relate to that because no no i don't know that i yeah i feel feel like that's such a mentality that's left in yesteryear even though that's obviously plenty of guys are obsessed with that still yeah yeah i mean maybe i'll love the fat joe comedy special for the reason i loved my show is because it's really bad and <laughs> so. yeah you'll see you'll see dexter davis in fat yeah. joe <laughs> yeah. yeah so i don't know right um, is there a rapper you would actually like to see do stand-up or do comedy? Oh, man. I mean, my favorite rapper of all time is, I'm from the Bay Area, so I love Too Short and E-40. Short. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. they're both just interesting people with, like, crazy upbringing. So I think I'd be, I mean, it's, I wouldn't necessarily want stand-up. I would just want to hear them talk. But, like, right, right. I'm sure they have funny takes on stuff. Right. Um, I'm sure they have great stories. I think that's what probably most of this would be is like just stories. Yeah. Just talking yeah. about the crazy days and them coming up and everything. What about you? Who would you like to hear? I would like to hear Aesop Rock. I, okay. I'm, all, I'm all about the indie rap pretty much. Okay. Uh, before Aesop Rock is, he's actually been credited as having technically based off of the work that he's published a bigger vocabulary than shakespeare whoa yeah damn and like there's so much like nuance and meta weird like fun stuff in his rap that he's like just a funny weird interesting guy <laughs> that i think like he would see your craigslist show and he like oh yeah i get it i'm i'm, I'm into this that's awesome yeah yeah um but i love i love asap rock's rap i i run the jewels is like you know they're a big deal now but lp yeah. one half of it i've been following lp for like 20 years yeah that guy has sounded like he's like made rap that it sounds like from the future and it still sounds like from the future <laughs> uh it's it's amazing and that guy is also like like kind of funny as well and i just like there's there's less hubris and in, in indie acts that stay indie. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That I, I think like offer up a better potential for humor. 
Yeah. You know? Like, I don't really, I definitely don't want to see Kanye do comedy. I don't want to see Kanye do anything. No. Ever. No. <laughs> I think it's actually, you know, I think this is like five or six years ago. Bill Burr had this bit about like, thank goodness, like Kanye is black. Like, imagine that sort of like that guy as a white guy. And just like having uh, the privilege of a white guy doing all that. Yeah, be a monster. Yeah. I mean, he is already. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, but yeah, I don't want to see him. I mean, I also, I, w- I wouldn't want to see, oh, I'm trying to think of like a, a big rapper now. <laughs> I, I'm so disconnected from like top 40 or anything like that. I, like, I wouldn't want to see the Black Eyed Peas do comedy. I, I kind of want to see the Black Eyed Peas all together trying to do comedy at once. Yeah, well, for the same reason you would want to see this fat joke. Yeah, like, it, it would be bad. Yeah, who am I actually interested in seeing do comedy? Yeah, I get what you mean. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, unless Fergie wants to explain, like, the, her fucking London, London Bridges song. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I don't know that it would genuinely... Or it was a whole special of, like, yeah, why did we sell out? Yeah, why did we... Yeah. Yeah. What? Yeah. <laughs> How did we create a song with the R word and get away with it? Yeah. Like what? Uh, uh, timing must have been a big part of it. Yeah. They quickly changed it to let's get it started. But yeah. for a while there, it was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was really shocked. Yeah. Sometimes when you are at a comedy show and they're just like having a playlist to, like before the show starts, you'll hear it. And then it's the original yeah. version. You're like, Whoa. you're like, Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. I'm glad it still exists. You know, um, Beyonce, both Beyonce and Lizzo recently uh, released albums uh, that are getting a lot of uh, acclaim, but they have both gotten checked by the disabled community for using the uh the word spaz in their lyrics and then yeah. they, they've changed it which i think is good but i feel like both versions should exist like as a as a reminder of like where we come if they completely erase it i feel like that's not accountability yeah i mean that's wild how crazy like that is that's crazy to... that you can even just do that you know yeah like people can can like band together and get like a an album forever changed is crazy or that they would even entertain the idea of doing it like once it's like published i mean well that's the thing with it being streaming it's not like you have to recall millions of cds or yeah true true wow that's wild that they're doing that i didn't even know they both used the word spaz yeah both of them and they both like yeah I haven't heard that word in 10 years. How how did they both use it? And like, I, I know. I don't never... know. I don't know. It's the Illuminati, dude. It's the it's all a ploy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, why what's the what's the angle here? What's the Illuminati using this for uh they're trying to um show people that they have the power um through cancel culture just anybody can get a word taken away so that way they feel more safe so they can work on uh underground lizard people oh, um, cool. that's is probably what, what is this what john cleese's real message is 
I'm sure. I don't know. He's very, he's very, very anti cancel culture. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's, it's a, uh, I think cancel culture is a great thing. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's depending. a. That, that dynamic always is going to, it used to be called political correctness. Yeah. It's always yeah. been the same thing. It's just called a different thing now. Yeah. And I keep telling people just like you with the license of art and comedy can do and say whatever you want. People can feel about it however they want. And that's not saying that you can't say that. That's just them expressing their feelings on your expression. Yeah, people can do whatever they want. They just need to suffer the consequence if they do something people don't like. Yeah. That's really what it is. Yeah, and so when people... You're still whine, a person and you still exist. Yeah. yeah. So when people whine, it's like, well, you just don't like that people didn't like your stuff. Yeah. Yeah, it's like people didn't like your joke because they didn't like certain parts about it. Sorry. <laughs> make it... Make, okay, that's it. Yeah, make a, make a better joke make a different joke without that those words maybe people will like you <laughs> yeah be i don't know a better comedian yeah have yeah. more uh, intelligence and mm -hmm. a wider range of ideas yeah were you ever big into community blake the show oh you know what i think i've watched a total of two episodes in my whole life so no <laughs> yeah also as i guess a i you know really but uh yeah same it's not for like it's not like i don't like it it's just there's so much that comes up and i i think it was like a timing thing um i think yeah. i'll get around to watching all of it at some point especially because dan Harmon has confirmed that they are writing and pitching around trying to sell the actual movie because for a long time they tried to manifest this idea that they would get six seasons and a movie out of the series and you know uh certainly there would be an audience especially because donald glover is so oh, big yeah. and allison brie is so big and i mean everybody on that show has gone to do so many other things since it passed away or stopped or canceled or whatever. I mean, is anything really dead? I mean, so many things get rebooted. Yeah, it's all we do. Yeah. I mean, they're rebooting. This isn't even on the outline. They're rebooting um, Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Like remaking they're like gonna make now? A or? They're going to be, yeah, now and it's going to be a TV series. Oh. And I don't, I, I'm not, I'm not into it. I mean, I guess my my outlook on all this stuff is like, I'm a huge Star Wars and Indiana Jones fan, and like I'll never get upset them making infinite amounts of the stuff I like. It doesn't ruin what I liked before. But oh no, I agree with that. Yeah, yeah. it's but it is kind of like sometimes I'm like, why are we dumping all this money into this thing? And uh, Ferris Bueller's Day Off reboot. I don't know. I don't know if I'll watch it. Yeah, to be honest, we'll, well see. I think that's different than Star Wars. Star Wars feels like a legit universe. I don't need like a Ferris universe. <laughs> yeah, true, definitely yeah. true. Like I love the story as it is, like self-contained. Yes, yeah. It doesn't. I, we don't need to meet Cam's dad. We don't need to like, 
you know, see what happens with, like, we know that Ferris and Sloane get married. Like, I don't want to see that them arguing, having kids or whatever the fuck they do. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. Where Star Wars, there's already, there's, there, George Lucas came up with so much lore and then there's all this stuff that Disney called apocryphal that is like Star Wars mythology and there's so much to draw from and like, I mean, obviously with the amount of TV shows that have been released through Disney Plus and are going to be released with, I'm sure Kathleen Kennedy has a new trilogy planned as to where it falls in the Star Wars timeline. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, there's a lot to mine there. I mean, like, you know, I who was the first Jedi? I think that would be interesting. Oh, I think that'd be really interesting. How did it all begin? Yeah. But I'm not yeah. really interested in what Ferris Bueller did, 20, like, t- 10 days later. Yeah, on, on the day he isn't off. Yeah. <laughs> Ferris Bueller's day on the reboot. <laughs> yeah. What's he do when he has to do stuff? Yeah, I was saying this to somebody earlier this week. Like, as much as I enjoyed Top Gun Maverick, I, like, what, what, would we live in a much different world if it just bombed? Like, oh, we can't keep mining IP anymore. Yeah, I didn't see it, but I, people, they said they loved it. People loved it, right? It, for, for something that on its, it, it definitely just is what it promised. You know? Yeah. It's this, like, sort of purely fun popcorn-fueled thrill ride. Yeah. Uh, that is very much like, you know, I mean, there can't be anything that's more of a Tom Cruise vehicle um, than Top Gun. Um, you know, I are you going to get anything out of it? No. And, I mean, it, it's funny to me. Before COVID, there was actually controversy surrounding the movie because uh, Tom's character was wearing a leather jacket that had a patch that had Taiwan on it. Mm. And uh, that threw in um, possible, like, it not being released in China. Oh, wow. Yeah, because they don't even like acknowledging that Taiwan exists because they're fucking children. (laughs) I mean, what a childish, like, oh, I'm just like, I feel like their, their, their foreign policy is like, no, you don't, you don't exist. And then if anyone acknowledges you exist, then we, we don't do business with them. That's crazy. That's a quite a, like a, quite a choice to make. It is. Uh, and so then COVID happened and everyone forgot about that. And then they like, it's not anything that's in the movie. And then also like, it's not even clear what country they're trying to attack or like destroy, like a key nuclear threat from they're like, everybody's Hmm. faceless, you know? So it's very clean and like PG friend. I, I don't even know what the movie is rated, but I would be surprised if it's PG wow yeah i mean that that i don't hate the idea of them making it not like a specific place that doesn't you know that's probably like kind of the the safest way to do it nowadays sure but it is a like a pure escapist sort of fantasy um, yeah but like you know 
movies like Nope, which I don't think is a perfect movie either, have to be so good for there to be any interest in studios giving money for original movies. Yeah, it it does seem kind of backwards nowadays. Yeah, how difficult it is. It's the same thing. I've I've talked about this with some friends about SNL. Mm -hmm. I've I've um I've made the decision in my head that I think it'll it's easier to get on SNL as a celebrity host than it is to get on the cast. Yeah, it is. And that to me seems like the the antithesis of what that show actually is, which is like a funny group of weirdos making fun of, you know, America or the world. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm kind of like, damn, that, that show is like so hard to get on. Um, like just get on as a celebrity host. It's easier nowadays. It's crazy. It's like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Who knows if, uh, yeah, Chappelle would have ever gotten on the SNL without like, you know, being, a famous stand-up and then created a yeah. show. Yeah. Um, I think we're going to cut off news there. And I want to get back to you. So you talked about how you, you're you like bridging two worlds, like live, live performance with everything that you do that's sort of like clown and performance art or sketch. Like stand, I mean, I feel like you dip your tone a lot of things even in that. And then there's the whole YouTube world, which does even now still feel separate with like TikTok and formerly Vine. Yeah. So like, what is that? I mean, what does that space even feel like these days? Or what? I mean, like, I, I admittedly, I don't watch TikTok mostly because my roommate has only sent me the worst of it. And I'm just like, I don't even want to dive. In yeah. This. Yeah. I don't care about dogs doing weird stuff or babies falling. Yeah, it's a lot of that. I mean, the internet is still awesome. I mean, I love the internet. I love internet videos. I think, like, the group that I create stuff with is really, like, we're really lucky to, mm -hmm. you know, make cool stuff. Mm -hmm. um, there's a lot of YouTube that's uh challenge challenges and reaction and and you know uh drama news and i think you know there's not a lot of sketch comedy or funny like produced videos mm -hmm. and creators left on youtube and so the fact that i get to be a part of that i feel really lucky um and we all, you know, support each other and help each other make stuff. So it's really fun. Right. Um, so that that feels fun to be a part of still. Mm -hmm. I do a lot of live streaming on YouTube, which barely anybody does. Mm -hmm. And so I've created a really cool community through like, you know, during the pandemic, like creating a live show mm -hmm. through my YouTube channel, just really bare bones, playing guitar and characters and jokes and stuff. And that's what kind of got me to end up doing the live stuff post pandemic right. with my audience still watching it through stream. Right. Um, yeah, that was the crazy thing is like you living in a theater for five days and then also manning the live stream. Yeah, it was it was insane. The, the, the third one I did, the third five day installment was the 
biggest train wreck because I had zero help. I didn't have anybody there with me. Mm-hmm. So I had to run up and turn on the the lights and sound each day and turn them off right. as well as try and hope someone brings me water and food to eat right. while sleeping on the stage. So it's just a constant. And then not only booking, you know, 25 uh, performers to run 25 different dates, but also booking 25 mm-hmm. women to go on dates with me. It was uh-huh. like, I had no help. It was a nightmare and sucked. And that was a, so that was a bad train wreck. That was not fun. I think people still loved it. Right. People still loved it. Um, well, but, the through line is that you're still like genuinely, whether you're in character or not, you're genuinely reacting. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm in the moment as myself or, a, you know, a close version of myself. Right. And uh, it's real, you know, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm actually, you know, thriving or suffering or a little of both on the stage either way. Right. So if, okay, so money's no object and you're, you get to be on, I don't know, HBO max, take your pick. Uh, yeah. What, what do you do? What, what show would you make? Yeah. I mean, special? I think, I think about this all the time. I would love to, live in a glass box in front of the Chinese theater for five to 10 days, Mm -hmm. have, have security around me and perform with different people in the box, Mm -hmm. um, make a documentary, a feature about the experience, interviewing people and basically living in the eyes of the world, Uh um, for an extended period of time, be really fun. And then also I have, you know, a feature and a and a um and a pilot like a season right created and written of like a mockumentary style show that i would love to do i love um documentary and mockumentary style stuff so that's always fun and right you know i'd also one of my dreams is to be on a live sitcom i really love like multi-cam stuff and i love performing live so closest Mm -hmm. to it is being a sitcom of some sort well i would love if you were the person that'd be great if you were the person to upend multicam in a way that is i would actually want to watch because i feel like so much of multicam sitcoms are so canned i know and formulaic and paint by numbers that i don't care i know it's like it's such an awesome it's so weird because people love going to a play Mm-hmm. Like they think it's the most groundbreaking thing ever, yeah. but then you film it with three cameras and add laughter and it takes away all the authenticity of it. So it's like, I think there's a way of like, I think there's a way to do it, which is don't add fake laughs or right. fake reactions. Just have an audience actually reacting realistically mm-hmm. and use that audio. Cause it's like when you go to a show and, people are reacting in the moment to what's happening. It's like, and you hear it on video. It's cool. It's a cool feeling. You feel like a part of it when you're watching it. Right. So somehow making a sitcom, not what people think of when they hear the word sitcom. Mm -hmm. They actually, Conan made a point of like every remote that they would show on the show, they would screen for the audience and they would use their laughter in the actual broadcast episode. 
Good. Yeah. Like that wasn't added in post or anything. That was just like the actual reaction of everybody in that TV audience. Like, yeah. I think that's, um, that's rare. Mm -hmm. A lot of shows don't do that at all. So it's like, or they just beef it up to the point that you're like, I mean, you think of a sitcom, you think of Disney, you think of just how insane those laugh tracks are. The, <gasps> Oh, all that stuff is like right, right, right. over the top. Like, I think there's a way to make a sitcom heartfelt and real, like a single cam show would be. Right. Um, or even a mockumentary documentary documentary style show, mm -hmm. um, but in a sitcom format where there's an audience watching, right. like I think I think there's a way to do that. So that's always intrigued me. Mm -hmm. And also the final thing is I love musical theater, so I'd love to be that guy from that TV show to the point that someone wants to come see me in Les Mis or Rent or Spring Awakening. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be freaking awesome. Cool. So I have a uh, lot of things I'd yeah. like to do. Yeah, obviously you had a whole whole list that you source from time to time when people are like, "I can you do a show in a week?" Yeah, I got stuff. I'm ready. I'm ready. People approach me. I'm ready to do something. So speaking of which, uh, anyway, it's been great to have you on, Blake. Thanks for having yeah, me. Yeah, this has been a lot of fun and I think very illuminating in the way that I really had hoped. Uh, where can people find you online? Is there anything else you like to promote? What crazy things are you getting into next? Um, well, always follow me on TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, just my name, Blake Rozier. Um, and the stuff I got coming up next, um, I may or may not be doing the smallest show ever. <laughs> um, okay so i'm working on a documentary style live show maybe in the vein of this craigslist thing it might be the same kind of thing but just one of the smallest shows you've ever been to right and um i'm also working on this documentary it's in the editing process now post-production process from the show the craigslist show i just did and constantly producing these shows where i push myself to the max where i live on stage getting tattoos on stage, doing, getting dirty and wet and disgusting and, and not eating or drinking on stage and all the crazy endurance stuff that you, yeah. that scares you and enjoys you and, and makes you enjoy it. I, I'm doing that as well. Um, so yeah, if you follow me there, you're going to see everything I'm doing all the time and obviously posting on YouTube like three times a week. So awesome. always making stuff. Yeah. Great. Uh, I'm Jay Kroger. You can find uh, the Comedy Bureau at the comedybureau.com, at the Comedy Bureau across socials. You can find me on Instagram, not the supermarket, on Twitter, MFJ Kroger. So many great causes to support at this time. So please support those. But if you have money and generosity left over, please support the Comedy Bureau because I would like to keep it running. Have anything to say as we sign off? Uh, support the Comedy Bureau. Without the Comedy Bureau, I might not have found my community in LA so I could do fun stuff like this. So check it out it's awesome yeah. send it to someone who's moving to la help them yeah. out yeah uh comedy's still happening please go watch and support as the great produce stevens would say enjoy it comedy bureau field report is recorded produced and edited by jake kroger music by brian Grineo. artwork by andrew delman and kt and part of the believe podcast family.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.